Hello, world. I'm Greg Patton. It's a Friday and a couple of days before Christmas. Oh, it's wonderful. This is a special edition of Hello, World. Since I'm not going to be heard on Christmas Day, I'm going to talk about my favorite subject today, Jesus. I've talked with you in the past about how God began working on my heart this time of year back in 1973. Yeah, that Christmas was really special, and it turned into a week later with me coming to know Jesus Christ as Savior, that greatest day of my life, December 31st, 1973. Have you made that decision yet, my friend? I pray you stay with us over the next half hour as we talk about Jesus Christ and what he means to the world and how you can know him personally. So let me ask you something. If I were to ask you to explain to me about Jesus, what do you think you would say? Many believe that to explain Jesus Christ is totally impossible. To ignore him, of course, is disastrous, and to reject him is fatal. I'm talking to you about Jesus. Uh, may I say, on the other hand, to know him is to love him, and to love him is to believe on him, and to believe on him is to ah, be saved. Has that happened to you? To be saved is to be radically and dramatically transformed for time and eternity. I think the latest stats say that 75% of Americans say that they are Christians. A Christian is one who has trusted Jesus Christ as Savior and knows heaven is his or her home. I think that figure is extraordinarily high. I'm extremely limited and inadequate about all of this. I mean, just trying to describe the Lord Jesus Christ. We're celebrating his birth today, as you well know. This human mind is too finite to comprehend him, and the human heart is too small to contain this one that we call Jesus. And in Colossians chapter 1, down to verse 19, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Colossians 1:19, a great verse. That word fullness, what does it mean? It means the sum total of everything that is. That is Jesus Christ. And the word dwell does not simply mean to abide, but it means to settle down permanently. All that is and ever will be is in that one wonderful name, Jesus. And so the Bible says that it is God's plan that in all things he should have the preeminence. Look at verse 18, that in all things he might have the preeminence. Let me talk to you a few moments about preeminence. Jesus Christ is preeminent in the revelation of the Father in heaven. You will never know God as you would or as you should without knowing Jesus Christ. Look at verse 15, Colossians chapter 1. The Bible says here that he is the image of the invisible God. The image, the invisible God, God's a spirit. God is unseeable. God is transcendent. And God is unknowable. God is holy. God is unapproachable. Well, how are you going to know God then? Reason will never bring you to God. The finite can never understand the infinite. Religion can never bring you to God. That's the work of a man's hands. Ritual cannot bring you to God. Without Jesus Christ, you cannot fully and freely know God. Let me give you a verse, Matthew chapter 11, verse 27. Jesus said, All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth the man save the Son, and he too 
whomsoever the Son will reveal to him. Matthew eleven twenty seven. 27. Uh, so no one knows the Father unless Jesus reveals the Father to them. Jesus has a real monopoly on revelation, does he not? Did you hear that? He's cornered the market. The only way that you can know God as you ought to is for Jesus Christ to introduce you to him. Jesus said in chapter 14 of John 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man cometh unto the Father but by me. You say, well, that sounds pretty narrow-minded. Oh, it's, it's extremely narrow. Can't be two truths. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the Father. He's not a good way to the Father. He is the only way to the Father today. Some people say, well, I don't like narrow-minded people. You sound pretty narrow-minded, Pastor Patton. I think you'd want your pharmacist to be narrow-minded, wouldn't you? He won't say, well, there they are, 10 bottles of medicine. Why don't you just choose one? Let's see what happens. I certainly want the airline pilot when I fly around the country to be narrow-minded. We like for our banks to be narrow-minded. But somehow, when it comes to the most important thing in all the world, our relationship to Jesus Christ, we say, well, it doesn't really make a lot of difference now, does it? It makes one great difference. He, the person of Jesus Christ, is preeminent in the revelation of God the Father. He is called in this verse, the firstborn. Look at it. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? Verse 15. What does that talk about? It does not speak of his creation because he was never created. Oh, no. This passage of Scripture tells us that he always was. He made all things that are made. If he made all things, then he himself was never made because he could not have created himself. He made all things that were made. Colossians 1.16. What does that word firstborn mean here? Have you thought about that? It does not speak of a time when he came into existence as some that peddled door to door that false doctrine. The word firstborn here means a ranking. It speaks of first importance. Sure it does. Let me give you a verse, Psalm 89, verse 27. It speaks of Solomon. And David says of Solomon, also I will make him my firstborn. There it is higher than the kings of the earth. Now Solomon was not David's firstborn son. David had many sons before Solomon came along. But what David is talking about here is that he's one of the highest rank here. And what God is talking about, he is number one. Jesus Christ outranks, outreaches, outloves all others. His name is above every name. He is the firstborn. Do you have the first thought? Jesus is preeminent in the revelation of the Father. You want to know God, then you must know Jesus. And if you do not know the Lord Jesus Christ, you can never, ever understand God as you ought to because he came to manifest, to reveal God the Father. Thank God for Bethlehem, which was God with us. The word became flesh that we might know and feel the heart of God. Yeah, I've shared in the past, there's been something like, I think John Blanchard said it, 30 billion people have walked this earth, and only one, Jesus, the special man. The little baby in Matthew chapter 1 is the great God of Genesis chapter 1. The baby in Matthew chapter 1 was the one that created his mother. Isn't that something? Get your mind around that. And when he was born, he was as old as his father and older than his mom. Now, there are some people who just believe that it all happened. 
they want to explain it away apart from Jesus, and they believe in evolution. Well, if you believe in evolution, you've got some real problems then with Scripture because the Scripture doesn't say a thing about evolution. And if I can't trust the Scripture to tell me from whence I came, how can I trust the Scripture to tell me where I'm going in the world? And not only are you going to have trouble with the Scriptures, you're going to have trouble with salvation itself because if evolution was true, hey, there was no Garden of Eden. If there was no Garden of Eden, there was no fall. If there was no fall, there was no sinful nature in man. And if Genesis 3 is a myth, then John 3 is a real farce. That says we have to be born again. If you believe in evolution, if you believe that man came from a beast, before long men are going to be acting like beasts. It was this philosophy of evolution that built the gas ovens that Hitler used. You're going to have trouble also with science. If you believe in evolution scientifically, evolution is a hoax. This is some really good information here. Sir Fred uh, Hoyle at the British Academy of Science, a leading mathematician, a leading astronomer, actually, shook up a lot of people in the scientific community when he said this. Listen, we must now admit to ourselves, come on, that the probability of life arising by chance by this evolution is the same probability as throwing six on the dice five million times in a row. So go get some dice and begin to throw it. And if you can throw six, it'll land on six five million times in a row. That's the probability that life could arise from spontaneous generation. Sir Fred Hoyle went on to say, let us be scientifically honest with ourselves. The probability of having life arise to greater and greater complexity in any organization by chance is the same probability of having a tornado tear through a junkyard and form a perfect 747 airplane. What is this great scientist saying? That random and impersonal chance does not create complexity in design. That's what he's saying. Look at the world around you. And here's another. Dr. George Wall, professor of biology at Harvard, he's a professor emeritus there, winner of the Nobel Prize in Biology back in 1971. He wrote this, and this is sad because this is a lot of people you know. He wrote in the Scientific American. He's talking about the origin of life. He said, when it comes to the origin of life, we only have two possibilities, just two, on how life arose. One, there's spontaneous generation and arising evolution. Now, that's one possibility. It just, poof, the Big Bang Theory, it just happened. He said the other possibility is the supernatural creative act of Almighty God. He said there's no third alternative. Either it was spontaneous or it was supernatural, a creative act of God. Now, this is a Nobel Prize winner at Harvard. Now, here's what he said about these two possibilities. The first possibility, that is, spontaneous generation, was proven to be a scientific impossibility by Louis Pasteur and others 120 years ago. We know there is no such thing as spontaneous generation of life. That only leaves one other conclusion then. Now listen to this. The supernatural creative act of God. That's all that's left. But wait a minute. And then he said this. Oh, I just hate this. I cannot accept the supernatural creative act of God because I do not choose to believe in God. End of story. Isn't it? Do you see this? He says it's impossible that this could have happened apart from God. But he said, I can't accept the belief in God. 
And he went on to say, I choose to believe in that which I know is scientifically impossible, this thing of spontaneous generation and a rising evolution. I choose to believe what I know to be impossible. Why is that? Because he will not accept the word of Almighty God. Professing themselves to be wise, the Bible says, they became fools, Romans one twenty two. How did it all happen? The Son of God, the Lord Jesus, spoke, and he said, it is so. That's how it happened. That name, Jesus, creator of all things, the power of creation, and Jesus, the preserver of all creation. Verse 17, he is before all things, and by him all things consist. Hallelujah. That's Colossians 1.17. Now, that word consist means that everything holds together. In other words, Jesus is the glue of all the galaxies. Scientists are still trying to explain what gravity is. They know how it works, but they don't know really what it is. That's true of so many things. You ask a scientist, what is gravity? And he says, well, it's that force that holds us to the earth. And you say, well, what's the force that holds us to the earth? And he says, well, you fool. It's called gravity. I just told you. But Jesus is the glue of the galaxies. It's Jesus that fuels the sun so that it might burn. It's Jesus who veils the moon with beauty. It's Jesus who guides the planets through their journeys. The scientists talk about natural law. There is no natural law. All there is are God's laws that nature obeys. Jesus keeps it all. He regulates the universe. By Jesus, the Bible says, all things consist. Isaiah 40, verse 26, lift up your eyes on high. And behold, who hath created these things? Isaiah 40, verse 26. Now, this is kind of interesting. If you were to hijack a light beam and travel at the speed of light, how fast is that? 186 miles per second. How fast is that? Well, that's around the world 70 times in the time it takes you to blink your eye. Blink your eye. And light has traveled around the world at its equator seven times. Now, that's the speed of light. Not an hour, a second. That's how fast light travels. Now, if you were to hijack a light beam and say you're going to travel to the sun, how far away is the sun? 93 million miles. How long would it take to get to the sun? Eight and a half minutes. Eight and a half minutes. You'd be 93 million miles away. But if you wanted to go out past Mars and Jupiter and Pluto and the rest of the planets, if you wanted to go out oh, past the sun and the moon to the nearest star, do you know how close the nearest star is? How far away? Four and a half light years away. Now, what's a light year? Well, that's how far light travels in a year. Not in a second, but in a year. Boy, it travels a good distance at 186 miles a second. Well, then how far has it traveled in a year? Well, you'd have to travel at that speed for four and a half years to get to Alpha Centauri, which is the closest star in our Milky Way. That is 27 trillion miles. Four and a half years to travel. 27 trillion miles. Incredible. They tell us now that there are more than 100 billion stars in our galaxy, the Milky Way. If you were to travel from rim to rim in the Milky Way, traveling at the speed of light, it'd take you 100,000 years to go from rim to rim at the speed of light. Yet on Mount Palomar, they have this great 200-inch telescope and they've taken that massive 200-inch telescope. They look through just the cup of the Big Dipper. You know what the Big Dipper is? Looks like a cup, 
the Big Dipper. They say in the cup, the Big Dipper, they estimate there are one million galaxies like ours, the Milky Way. They've looked on to the furthest thing they can see, which is what they call a quasar. It's 15 billion light years away. The speed of light traveling 186,000 miles a second for 15 billion years. This is really hard to get your mind around. That's getting out there, isn't it? That really is. That's a quasar. And they say that a quasar, whatever it is there in space, generates enough power, enough electrical energy in one second to fuel all the needs of the world for a million years in just one second. That's how much power is coming from that quasar out there. In the beyond of space, 90 billion trillion miles away. Let me ask you, who made all of this? Jesus Christ. He made it all. And by him, all things consist. Do you believe that? You better. You know, you hear this and you find out what turned a young atheist by the name of Albert Einstein into a believer in Almighty God. In 1932, Albert Einstein was an atheist, but in 1950, he said, I cannot, I cannot be an atheist. There is a God. There has to be a God. He looked out at the great universe, and he said, it's formulated by mathematical laws and principles, and behind mathematical laws and principles, there must be an intelligence. And to have intelligence, you must have a person. That God, he had known, that person is Jesus. He is the one by all things consist. That's why you should love Psalm 139, verse 17 and 18. How precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. Take a bucket of sand and begin to count the grains. He says that God's thoughts of you are more in number than all the grains of sand on the entire earth. That's how much this God who made everything, that's how much this God cares for you. What an incredible thought. He's a personal God. He made everything. The God who made the universe is Jesus. He is the power of creation. He is the preserver of all creation. He's also the purpose of all creation. Verse 16, for by him were all things created that are in heaven and in earth, visible and invisible whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or power, all things created by him and for him. Did you think it was all made for you? No, it's all made for Jesus, all made for him. The word for is the Greek word ice, and it's the idea of a preposition here. It's something that is moving towards something else. It's all coming to Jesus. People ask, what is this world coming to? It was made by him, and it was made for him. It's coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the reason for everything. He made it all for him. Therefore, life without him is absolutely meaningless. If you don't have him, your life is meaningless. Your life can never have any meaning apart from the Lord Jesus Christ. So many are celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. Trust that that is you. So we need to go home by way of the cross. There's no other way but this. I'll never catch sight of the gates of life if the way of the cross I miss. So said Jesse Brown Pounds. You know what? There has never, ever, ever been another like Jesus Christ. He is our solitary Savior, 
What a wonderful, wonderful Savior we have in Jesus Christ, Almighty God. And I want you to know Him today. He deserves to have preeminence in your life. It's what we celebrate today, Christmas 2018. He deserves preeminence in your life for two reasons. Number one, His deity. Number two, His death. Because He's deity, how can you refuse Him? There can be no refusal, no rebuttal. There's no rival to Jesus. And because of his death, how can you refuse him today? Love is really an amazing thing. So divine. Demands my life, my soul, my everything. Jesus is preeminent in your life. Is he really? He doesn't ask for a place. He doesn't ask for prominence in your life. He desires and he demands preeminence in your life. You know, it was Ellis Fuller, the great preacher of yesteryear, fell in love with a beautiful girl. And when it came time to propose, I wonder how many guys are going to propose this Christmas. You know, uh, when it came time for Mr. Fuller to propose, this is what he said to his girl. Would you mind, uh, would you be willing to take second place in my heart? What? And she said yes, because she knew when she said yes to him and took second place that her husband would love her with a love that he could never love her with if she were in first place. Get it? Because in all things, Jesus Christ is to have the preeminence, Colossians 1.18. And I want to give him today my life a new and a fresh preeminence. Because in him, in him, all the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily, according to Colossians 2, 9. His birth, his cradle, some have said, I think there's a message on it. His birth, his cradle rocked the world. Oh, that's absolutely true. There will never, ever be another birth like that. And his name of the 30 billion who walked the face of the earth? His name is above every name. And God, we want to thank you today for your holy word. And God, we pray that souls will be saved today all over the world. Let me say again, personally, on today's program, special edition of Hello World, that it was back in 1973 that a 16-year-old boy invited me to church, and I went to a little Baptist church in Acton, Indiana, about 15 miles east of Indianapolis, Indiana. That rock and roll DJ goes to church. Oh, what a day, what a day. My heart was really stirred up, and one week later at that New Year's Eve service in this same church, I walked forward and accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, the name of Jesus. My favorite subject, yours should be Jesus Christ. He's preeminent. He is everything, my friend. So I guess I would ask, according to John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever calls upon his name today shall be saved. Why wouldn't you want to do that today, my friend? Do it. And remember that Christmas 2023 was the greatest ever. Make it the perfect season. A great time to say yes to Jesus Christ and 
become that new creature, everything is going to change today if you say yes to Jesus. It is really the only way to live and the only way to die. And that's it. Have a say for another day. Join me on Facebook if you can. Greg, G-R-E-G, Patton, P-A-T-T-E-N. What did we say last Christmas? You can check it out at whcbradio.org or gregpatton.com. Let me say this. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Let's do more in 24. I am Greg Patton. God bless. Have a great day.